Hi, everybody, and welcome to Joint Air Christian Lifestyle, the podcast where we celebrate diversity within the body of Christ. I'm your host, Shane Fritz, and uh, we're back again for another installment from the discipleship class that we've been teaching here at Destiny Church in Hanover. Um, this is the uh, week three lesson, and uh, this entire lesson focuses on getting to know God through his word and really through the word baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm really excited to share this, uh, this lesson with you guys. And, uh, and I know this is going to move people the same way that, that it moved people in the classes. We went through it. Uh, we had, uh, people receiving baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, after this. And it was really just a powerful time with the Lord. So again, I just hope that you guys enjoy this and until we talk again, be blessed. A word of prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this evening, Lord. Lord, we welcome your presence, Lord. We thank you that you've given us an audience before your throne tonight, Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this room right now. Lord, we want you to move in this place. We give you full permission. Do what you want to do tonight. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, have your way tonight, Lord. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand, Lord. Give us full comprehension over this tonight, Lord. Let it, let us leave different than the way we came tonight. Give us transformation. Lord, we just lay it all down at your feet tonight, Lord. And we again, we thank you that you're here in this place among us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I got something for you. For me. Ooh, yay. I love these. All right. We'll start again. We won't pray again, but we'll start again. So, everybody doing good again? Oh, yeah. All right. You know, we've kicked off, we've had two, like, really good foundational classes, I feel like we started talking about transformed life, we started talking about destiny, we started talking about dreaming with God, last week we started talking about the love of God, knowing God, having that intimate relationship with Him. And so, as we go forward, we're going to try to fit this into three weeks, but I have a feeling we're going to end up kind of taking up the rest of the class with this, but we're going to be looking really at the ways that we get to know God and the ways that we come to build our faith in God. And so we're going to be going through, uh, we're going to be talking about Bible reading, being in the Word tonight. And then we're going to go into when you pray, when you fast, and when you give. And that's pretty much how we're going to finish the class out is over those four points. And so tonight we're going to, we're going to talk about the Word. We're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to talk about Bible reading. I think everybody has a paper. We're going to start out of Psalms 119, 103 through 105. And um, before I ask that, I want to just open this up. Is anybody somewhere in the Scriptures reading something that's just speaking to them right now that they want to share about? What do you guys read? First Samuel. First Samuel. Right now. What are you hearing out of First Samuel? 
I haven't gotten far enough to hear anything yet. Okay. I read a chapter. The first chapter. Awesome. Romans. Romans? Yes. What part of Romans? I'm trying to think. I think it was five. <laughs> Romans five? Yes. Right on. Yes. Justified by faith, right? Yes. Yep, that's it. Yes. Daniel chapter 3. Come on, somebody. Mm. And Nebuchadnezzar looked in the fiery furnace. Lord, have mercy, man. There was three people thrown in there, and there's four. And the one looks like the Son of Man. Come on. And I like to call him Jesus of Nazareth. You got that right. Yeah, I'll stop now before I preach. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? I'm actually at Psalm 119. Last night. We're right there. Amazing. I like when he says, look at me, Lord, according to the word. Because we know the word, and we know what it does. We call God out on it. Exactly. Quick you were in my notes, notes, Help me align with it. <laughs> right. You were in my notes, weren't you? I'll get around in my notes. I'll get around I was in Ezekiel. I don't know. Man, you start reading that, it's like going into Revelation. Like, yeah. Lord, help me figure this out. Um, and I, I have to go slow through that. It's not like. Guys I just get it all, yeah. Um, but I knew that, like, the Lord was wanting me to get, like, something particular. So I get to Ezekiel 3, and it's talking about when um, when the Lord has, like, gives you something to do. If you don't do it, then um, it says twice here um, in 19 and 20, um, what I will require at your hand. So, you know, if he tells us to do something and you don't do it, then you're you're responsible, you know, for that. So that's that's important. What if when he's talking to you, you don't understand what's being said? Like, do you still get held accountable for that? Like, there, I have crazy things happen when I'm asleep, and I'm like, sometimes it's just it's like almost like it has to be something being told to me, but I don't understand it. I would say if you're if you're not understanding it, maybe it's a not for now thing. Even if it even if it's from him, um, definitely keep ask, keep asking. Keep I just asking, don't want to get in trouble if <laughs> like something happens because like he thinks I'm not listening, but like I really don't understand. I think that goes back to like God is love, right? right. So He's not going to punish you, I and mean, He's love with my children. If I like explain something to them in Spanish, we can't expect them to do it. Right? You know what I mean? Right. But if I tell them in English, like you know, you need to be obedient. Yeah, he's, he's not going to hold you accountable. Because of love, what it, you know, like when you do that, when you didn't have an understanding. Yeah. The verse that she's talking about, he's talking about the watchmen, right? That's right. And uh-huh. the watchmen are like people that saw it in the prophetic. They didn't warn the people of what was going on Their blood was on their hands. Right. Yeah. So, 
allow God to reveal himself through them. The path and a God. I'm sorry. A lamp and a light to our pathway. To our It's our God. It helps reveal what's coming up ahead of us. It helps reveal how we need to step with what's coming So, we're talking about the Bible. We're talking about the Word of God. And, and Jared touched on it. It's not about knowledge of the Scriptures. It's, it is, but hear me right on this. You can know all the Scriptures in the world. And it, you just have a head knowledge that will never change how you walk. It'll never change how you see. If you just know it up here, if it never gets down here, it's got to move 18 inches, and then it'll change you. I want to start with uh, John 1, and this is really what, what God is, is laying on my heart this week. He's talking about the Word. And when we talk about the Word, right, what's John 1, 1 tell us? Word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. Showed us how to walk it out, full of grace and truth. It's the nature of the Word of God is to point us in truth with grace. The whole thing reads like a love letter that points us to Jesus. You guys all doing okay? Alright. We're building here, alright? Last week, we talked about the need to know Him. We use that word gnosko. Remember? Intimacy. Knowing him. Like a married couple knows each other is the way that we need to know Jesus. Jesus is the word. Made flesh. John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's not just that we have a knowledge of him. It's that we know him. We know him through the Word. He reveals himself through the Word. He reveals himself in other ways, too. But this thing is like a mirror. It's not about how much of the Scriptures we know. It's not about our theology coming up with the best theology. It's not about having the best revelation. It's not about having the best doctrine. It's not about proving the Presbyterians wrong or the Lutherans wrong or anybody else wrong. It's about us knowing Him the way He knows us. It's the living, breathing Word of God. Hebrews 4 tells us it's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. The penetrating of soul and spirit, the dividing of marrow and bone, 
self-serving intents and motives of men. All that from the pages of the scripture. It does it itself. Nobody has to nobody has to inflict the Bible on you as a sword to do it. It does it itself if you read it. It reveals mysteries to you. We know him through it. He reveals himself to us through it. And really, you know, there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts to us getting to know him. We have to build a history with God. It's not about how much scripture you read at a time. Um, you know, there's a lot of reading plans out there. And, you know, you read uh, two to three chapters a day, and you finish the Bible within a year. And, you know, you can power through it that way, and it's a feather in your hat, I guess, or, or whatever. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But how many of us have been there when you're reading, and all of a sudden the Scripture is talking to you directly in a brand new way? And you're seeing something, maybe you've gone over that scripture a hundred times, yeah. and that day it's saying something totally different. It's not a time to try to power through and get your two to three chapters in for the day. It's a time to sit there and know him, get to know him, have communion with him, have fellowship with him. That's the time he's talking to you. Very specific. I remember I went through a season, and I say a season, I don't know the exact timing, but it was like three to four months, and um, I was in John 9 and 10. I didn't leave those two chapters for the better part of three months, and when I was done with it, I had about a notebook full of notes written out of those two chapters, and I was just like, every time I'd go back through it, and I'd say, am I done? He said, no, go back and read it again. And I'd go back and read it again and again. I keep reading it multiple times a day, and I keep getting new things out of it every time I go back through it. That's what he does. He makes it alive. It comes to life, and it teaches you. All right. Let's go to Matthew 3. We're going to read some scripture tonight. You guys okay with that? We're going to read some scripture tonight. We're going to talk about the word being baptized. And so as we go into Matthew 3, we're going to start in verse 11. It says, I indeed baptize you with water. This is John the Baptist speaking. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And he's talking about Jesus here, right? You all know this. Jesus is coming. There, and he mentions three different types of baptisms right here. There's the water baptism, and, you know, so happy we had the temper Bible, we had people get baptized in the temper Bible this past weekend. And can we just give a round of applause to the people that got baptized this weekend in the room? Um, you know, just to 
he talks about water baptism, then he goes on and he says about a baptism of Holy Spirit and a baptism of fire. And I'm going to separate them out just that way, and I hope we get to talking about baptism of fire, but I don't for tonight we're going to stay with baptism of Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about Jesus. Baptism here. So let's go on here. Verse 13 says, And Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I want to point something out here. We have the Word of God made flesh. Baptized in water, now being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can get the best head knowledge in the world of the Scriptures. You talk to an atheist or an agnostic. Can I tell you something? Most of them can run circles around most of the church. They do the Scriptures better than us a lot of times. They're, they're burst to defend their position. It's not about knowing Scripture. It's about knowing Him. We need the Word baptized with the Holy Spirit. When you go into the Bible, you need to ask for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what He wants to speak to you. It's the example we have set to Jesus right here. The Word baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he uses that word there, you know, as the heavens are open, he sees the Spirit of God descending on him, and it says that, like a dove, and it alights on him. And that word alight, depending on your translation, it might say rest on him. But that's really, that, that's the full meaning of that word alight, is that it rested on him. It wasn't, it wasn't a momentary touch. It came and stayed on him at that point, and found its home in him. That's what it does for, for each one of us as we receive the Holy Spirit, to receive that baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then he hears this voice from heaven. He hears his dad. And he says, This is my son, in whom I am well pleased. This is my son. We're going to go on here. And we're going to go into chapter 4, but I want you to remember the Word has been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and God has spoken to him. This is my Son, whom I'm well pleased. What we need to understand is that we get to know God out of the Word. But the Word is also our first defense against the enemy. Let's go on here. I want to read, um, we're going to read Matthew 4. We're going to go through the first um, 11 verses, and we're going to go back and kind of break it down here, see what's going on here. 
It says, then, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. How many of us have heard this account? Numerous times. There is something about this account. I really, I'll be honest with you, I did not plan on going to this account at the beginning of the week. About midweek, I knew I needed to go to this account. God wanted me to, God was showing me something out of this account. So I decided to, to talk about it tonight and and what I want to talk about is this. There's three types of attack. There's three types of trials. There's three types of temptation that the devil will bring against you. We saw it right here with the three temptations of Jesus. All three of them are an attack on your identity and your sonship. All three of them. The first two... Focus on whether or not you are a son. Three, verse, chapter 3, verse 17. Jesus had just come up out of the water. The heavens open up. The dove comes down. It rests on him. And he hears from heaven, This is my son, the beloved, whom I have approved. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus had no doubt about who he was. And yet when Satan comes to him, right? <coughs> What's the first thing that he does? The first words out of his mouth are, if you are the Son of God. Now what's he say? If you're the Son of God, prove it by turning those stones into bread. The first place that the devil will tempt you or try you is by putting your sonship on trial and telling you that if you're really a son or a daughter of God, to prove it with your performance. Jesus knew who he was. What was the temptation? Jesus just came out of the water. The heavens opened up. All this stuff happened. And yet here's the devil now, 40 days later, if you're really the son of God. 
I know I'm really the Son of God. The heavens opened. I heard it. It came. Uh, he wasn't confused. The temptation was to prove it from a point of pride. The temptation for us is to have to prove that we really belong there. Jesus answers them, right? It is written. We go down to the second one. If you're the Son of God, again, if you're a son or daughter of God, you could you could put yourself right here. It happens all the time. Sometimes we accuse ourselves. Revelation 13 says he's the accuser of the brethren. Sometimes he accuses us to prove it. Sometimes he accuses us to have God prove it. That's the second type of trial or temptation he brings. What does he say here? If you're the son of God, get God to save you. Throw yourself up and prove that God's really with you. Come on, guys. The other interesting thing in the second temptation is what does Satan do? Anybody? Anybody see what Satan does? Satan puts scripture to Jesus. Right. <laughs> Jesus turns around and quotes it back. Yes, he does. Use the word. But there's a lot of times Man, where your accusers will come to you, where your temptations will come with people quoting a scripture to you out of context from a bad place, with a bad motive. It's exactly what happened here. If you're really the Son of God, prove it. Have God prove it. You prove it. Hmm. Knowledge of the Scripture doesn't make equal approval by God. It also doesn't prove that you've got any kind of fellowship or intimacy with them. It just doesn't. You can know them probably backwards, crossways. The devil made this thing say whatever he wanted it to say in that moment. Totally out of context. The last way that Satan tempts him, he can't call into question whether or not he is a son. So what's he do for the third time? takes him up and he shows them all the kingdoms of the world. See, if he can't get you to question whether or not you're a son, then the next thing he'll try is to get you to forsake your sonship on your own. And Jesus already had it all open to him. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. It's all his already. What's he doing here? He's offering him something he already has. How many times is that the temptation and trial that comes to us? Matthew 28, right? Let's get ready to ascend. All authority has been given to you on heaven and on earth. Mm-hmm. Last word is going up. 
And now he is indwelling in us, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, is in you and I, living in us, living through us. We've been called back into alignment with God, justified and made right. This is what he does, though. It's all under your feet already. It's all available already. It's all got to do with waiting on his timing. I didn't even talk, you know, I went around the room and uh, let you guys talk about what you were reading. But the scripture that was jumping out at me this week um, was out of uh, James James 5, verse 6. Um, it says, stay humble. Did I get it wrong now? Six, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You've got to stay humble. We talked about humility a little bit in one of the last uh, classes. You know, it's, it's staying in a place where we're ready to receive from God. Staying in his timing is all about staying ready to receive so that he'll exalt you and raise you up and appoint you in his timing. Jesus already had it all coming to him. He was already as good as given to him, and he knew that. That's where we have to where we have to stay, knowing in that surety. And Jesus keeps on going back to him, right? It is written. It is written. It is written. But he can't listen to me, guys. Jesus could bring it forth, it is written, because it was in him. The word baptized with Holy Spirit is what we need to get a good understanding of what's there. But in the moment of trouble, in the moment of trials, in the moment of temptation, you can't bring forth what's not inside of you. He can't bring it out if you haven't taken it in. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, just like you said last week about love. Right. If you don't love yourself, you know what I mean? How are you going to love God? And the kicker to that was, how can you give something away that you don't have? Exactly. That stuck with me, man, when you said that last week. And it, but it, it's so simple, but it goes with everything. You can't know Him if you aren't getting to know him, if you're not having fellowship with him and intimacy with him, you can't know him. You have to be taking the word and you have to be receiving from him. I think that's like you said the other week too, man, is when that comes into effect. Depart from me, I never knew you. You can say, you know what I mean, yep. and do all that, but if you don't know him and spend time with him, like you said, man, I don't know you. Exactly. You never spent time with me. Exactly. That's all. You know? he'll, and he'll use anybody. 
He said, if nobody would preach it, I'd get the stones to cry out, right? Yeah, that's it. He's not worried about using a free people. He's going to get his, his will done either way. We have to worry about staying in that that place. You know, and... All right. Come on, somebody. <laughs> All right. So the word as a the word as a defense. Let's talk about the word as a blessing. If you guys would turn back with me to Joshua. Where if you get your paper, it's there. Now I listed I listed um, two other sections of scripture there in numbers. And I did that. Um, I'm not going to go into those sections of scripture tonight. But it really sets the groundwork for what we're going to read in Joshua. Because what we have to understand is we come into Joshua 1. The Israelites have wandered for 40 years. They're now on the edge of the promised land. This isn't the first time they've been on the edge of the promised land. If we went back to Numbers, they were at the edge of the promised land. They went in, 12 spies, right? They came back, 10 gave a bad report. They had just seen the mighty hand of God move in their midst. In Egypt, coming out of Egypt to the Red Sea, I mean, they had seen miracle after miracle after miracle leading up to the promised land. They get to the edge of the promised land, they go in, and even though God said, I'm going to give it to you, and his track record was flawless, they allowed what they saw to get in the way. And all of a sudden, there was fear in them, they came back, and they said, oh yeah, God, God, God said it was just like it was. I mean, look at these grapes we brought back. I mean, it says they brought back a cluster of grapes. Two men are carrying them on a pole. Just as it was. They had visible evidence they could see. And then they go and they say, nevertheless, that land's full of giants. That land is full of fortified cities. We don't have the numbers. I don't think we can go in there. And they let everything they could see dictate what they thought was going to be. And the scripture said that they saw themselves as grasshoppers, and so they were. They defeated themselves before they ever took a step over there, and then they found some people that liked that defeated attitude, and they spread it around the camp, and before you know it, a whole generation wasn't allowed to get the blessing that God was going to do. Depart from me, I never knew you. scriptures, man, the scriptures talk about stuff being restored generationally. Isaiah 58 talks about it. Just because it's promised doesn't mean we have to be the ones that walk into it. But Caleb and Joshua, they had the eyes of faith to see that God would give them the victory. They were the only ones to give a good report. And so as we open into Joshua chapter 1, Moses has died. They're on the edge of the promised land again. Joshua's much older. Caleb's much older. And he's just taken over as the leader of Israel. Let's start. Joshua 1, we're going to start in uh, let's see where I got here. verse 2. And we're going to read through uh, verse 9 there. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. 
every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God reaffirms all his promises there. Everything that he had Everything that he had come into covenant with Moses with is now coming down to Joshua. And he's given Joshua very specific instructions, and he's given Joshua very specific promises that they're going to have victories, that they're going to have blessings, that there's going to be an inheritance coming. But this land, they're going to take possession of. It's as good as theirs. Oh, guys, this is, this is good stuff. The promises are all through here. He makes good on his promises. But he makes some very, very specific statements here as we go down through here. And I want to look at at that a little bit. If we jump down to verse 7, he said, only be strong and very courageous. You know, he tells tells him that, what, three times here. Be strong and be courageous. You see something in a section of scripture that close together, there's a reason for it. He's saying, stand firm in what I've told you. Time may have passed. I know you gave a good report the first time you went in this. Now you're advanced. Now your family's growing. Now you have maybe some health issues going on. Now you've taken on a new job, right? Now he's over the whole nation. Maybe the circumstances now, it would have been better when Joshua was a much younger man. But he's saying, be strong and be of good courage. I've got this. But we just read when I was in First Peter, right? Stay humble. Stay ready to receive. And in due time, I'll exalt you. It's Joshua's time of exaltation right now as we read this. This leads out the Jane. I'm reading now the King James Version. Come on. Verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous. Yes. Not a little. Not a little. you got to be sold out. That's what he's saying. Full trust. Full disclosure. 
full knowing, full fellowship, full communion. But what's he say there? Here, we're going to stay in absolutes, okay? That you may observe to do according to all the law. Well, that's where a lot of a lot of us, man, that's where we get tripped up at. Right? I made this statement before, you know, and I'm going to make it again. There's a great deal of people out there, in fact, you can say almost the whole world likes the idea of having a Savior. Everybody likes the idea of going to heaven and, and you know, never going to taste death and, and all of that and being blessed and, and what's not to like. But if you're not willing to accept all the law, if you're not willing to accept every part of Scripture, if you're not willing to submit and yield in every part of life, if you're not willing to let Him continue to refine you, to complete the good work that He started in you, if you're not willing to go to that place, that you may observe to do according to all the law. And I realize, you know, Jerry and I were having a conversation about this last week. Sometimes, sometimes we get a little sloppy and we say, you know, well, um, you know, grace and love covers everything. And we stay in that place and it's like, well, it really doesn't matter what we do because we've been forgiven. And there's a lot of churches out there and that's how they're filling their houses and, you know, it's true. But the point is, is that, yes, the law of liberty, the law of love, the law of grace now rules us, and that's amazing. And Jesus came to fulfill the law and institute the law of liberty, love, and grace, and yet we're not held to a lower standard because of it. Romans tells us that it's not an excuse to sin. No. It's a freedom and an empowerment over sin. So that if, right, now we're back to 1 John, if anyone sins, we have an advocate. Exactly. We can't, we can't use it as an excuse. At the same time, if we want what he's talking about here in Joshua, we have to give it all to him and accept all the precepts. All of it. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Don't deviate. Don't try to find your own way. Don't try to make a shortcut. Don't try to take the scenic route. No, don't deviate. Stay on the road. Right? What Jesus said. Straight and narrow. If you're in King James, right? The straight and narrow. It's cramped. It's tight. And if you find the way through the gate. We're getting funneled to a gate. We've got to stay. we got to stay and not deviate so we make it through the gate. There might be a lot that are on that road, but do you find a gate? Everybody still doing okay? Yeah. Awesome. I got one of you. <laughs> All right. Verse 8. No, let's go back to verse 7. This is important. We're going to see this twice here, too. That you may prosper wherever you go. Accept all the law. Don't deviate from it. 
and you will prosper everywhere that you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Shall not depart your mouth, but you'll meditate on it day and night. That word for meditate there, I'm not going to try to pronounce that one tonight either, but it literally means to mutter it, to speak it under your breath. Scripture says, read in an undertone day and night. That's what we're supposed to do. This law has to be our focus, it has to be our meditation. We need the gospel every day. We need to hear the gospel every day. We need to know that what he has done is enough. You guys with me here? What he has done is enough. We're going to talk about blessings here. We're going to talk about being prosperous. But what he has done is already enough for us, far beyond anything we could ever think or imagine. Everything he's done, everything that was accomplished on the cross and at the empty tomb is enough. And if he never does another thing for any of us, we're still blessed and highly favored beyond anybody else. But we have to have this word. We have to be reading in it in an undertone. We have to be muttering it. We have to be speaking it. Not on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7. No, we need to be doing it day and night continually. We have to immerse ourselves in it. There's a baptism here that cannot leave. If you're not staying in the Word, if you're not allowing it to soak you and saturate you, so that when somebody comes up and gives you a squeeze, Jesus runs out on the floor. Or from mosquito bite. Fly away, there's power in the blood. <laughs> oh, Leroy. <laughs>
when we meditate on the Word, when we mutter the Word, when we speak the Word, when we immerse ourselves in the Word, when the Word is baptized with the Holy Spirit, then you will, you will, he, it, I still got everybody here? God, mm-hmm. Then you will make your ways prosperous. That's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's the power of the Word of God over your life. Then you will make your way prosperous. We have full control over it. When we open this class, what did Pastor Billy, or, yeah, Pastor Billy, what did Pastor Billy say? You will get out what you plan. tell you something. When you're talking about the Word of God, you won't get out what you put in. You will get out what you put in plus a dividend. Because that's how the kingdom of God works. He's going to bring forth the lesson based off of what you put in. Alright. Let's go to we're good. we got a couple minutes yet. I want to do a couple more scriptures here. Let's do 2 Timothy. So we can do 2 Timothy 3. Uh, 14 through 17 there. Some of these scriptures you can't you can't not touch on when you're done when you're talking about reading scripture. Verse 14 says, But you must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul first writing Timothy here. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, or as some translations put it, all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word in action here, that we continue in it. Right? That's how we start. That you continue in the things which you've learned. We went back to Hebrews 5. Right? What did you say there? By now some of you should be teachers. I'm not talking to you guys specifically. But, you know, we don't have, like, any kind of reference point as to how long any of those people were Christians. And you're saying, by now, some of you should be teachers. What's that mean? I mean... Go and make disciples. Right. I think. I don't know. No, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. But what I love is what he's saying and what he's not saying. He doesn't say, by now, all of you should be teachers. He said, by now, some of you should be teachers. Does your mind immediately go then to the fact that apparently none of them were teachers? He didn't say all of you, he said some of you, which means that none of them were. The word has to move into, move us into action to continue in the things learned and that we have been assured of. We have to continue in what we've learned and what we've been promised. We have to continue to meditate on that 
and he goes down here in verse 16. I want to, I just want to hit this close because there's something here too. All scripture, not just the New Testament, but all of it, is God breathed. It's all important. If God took the time to put the word in here, it's important to meditate on its certain purpose. There, there's no books in there that don't deserve attention. Even the ones that seem kind of awkward to read. Right? Right. We all know it. There's a couple we don't really want to touch. They're important, though. Man, sometimes, sometimes, depending on where you're at in the Bible, it gets hard. Sometimes, yeah. you're asking the Holy Spirit to keep you moving through what you're reading. studying together and I was like, that's where you want to start, we'll start there. And it was it was a difficult book to maintain enthusiasm through. Even you know, even for myself, but then to explain yeah. to a new believer. There's a lot of that, you know, is if you look through scripture that you know there's parts that we don't want to touch and yet they're all God breathed. When I went through that with my son uh, I sat in the driveway of my house and read that the book of Job from the beginning to the end and never got up out of the chair. Mm. I guess trying to find some kind of comfort knowing that Job lost it all. And I was thinking, man, somewhere in this book there's got to be um, point me to that peace and comfort that I'm trying to find. Come on. Yes. But that peace and comfort is only found by Jesus of Nazareth and Him being in here. That's because it. Because He's the Prince of Peace. Oh, stop now. I'm going to ask you the mic. Yeah, really. Here, thank you. Don't ever give an evangelist a microphone. God breathe. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in what? In righteousness. If it's not in righteousness, if it's not in God's will for man, if it's not in the spirit of the gospel, then it's worthless. But it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction if it's done in righteousness. That what? That the man of God, that the sons and daughters of God may be complete, 
and fully equipped. All right, let's do one more. I know, I'm getting long up here. You guys all doing okay, though? You good? Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, let's do James 1, 22, and 25. That's where James was coming from earlier. So I figured out sooner or later. I did talk about this yesterday. I thought that I went to the church town. Okay. We were talking about the game. All right, it says there, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, word and actions, deceiving yourselves. You realize what he's saying here is that if all you do is listen to it, you're deceiving yourself because there's action that must be taken in order for the word to become effective. And he says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. You have to hear the gospel every day. You have to hear his thoughts for you. You have to see yourself as he sees you. What's it say? We regard no one as flesh. Remember back to 2 Corinthians 5, we regard no one as flesh. Colossians 1, what's he say? That you've been presented holy, blameless, and above reproach go back into Hebrews, that we may go boldly before the throne into his presence. Therefore, stir up one another. Mm -hmm. Remind each other of that. Mm -hmm. You have to stay in the gospel. You have to hear the gospel of Jesus that what he did changed who you are forever now that you've accepted him. Because if we don't, what happens is, when we're in James 1 here, Earlier in James 1, he's talking about the double-minded man. The double-minded man gets tossed this way and that way, depending on which way the wind's blowing and what the latest thought is. And, you know, um, well, there's a really good book by this person that's saying this right now. And, oh, I saw this on social media. And all of a sudden, we're going this way, we're going that way. And what's it say back in Joshua, right? That you would walk in all of the law, not deviating to the right or to the left we got to stay firm in what he says, stay in alignment with him. It only comes by hearing the gospel and being in the word daily. It says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, the law of freedom, the law of love, the law of grace, continues in it, is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Why? Because when you've received his love and you've received his grace by faith, and you're moved to action and you become empowered because sin and the accuser of the brethren no longer has any kind of hold on you. And you realize that what's in you has power over other people, that as you release what he's done in your life, it's going to change their life. This one will be blessed in what he does. prosperous wherever you go. Stay in the law. Stay in the word. And you will make your way prosperous. And if you're not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone... Oh, I'm sorry. Now I'm going too far. Be blessed in what he does. I just have one, one scripture I want to close with here. A very short one. Proverbs 25 verse 2. 
because we talk about this, and if we, you know, some of you guys are really fresh into this. You guys, you guys are newer Christians, right? This all, like, you're like, I got 1,500 pages here. That's a whole lot to dive into, and you said I got to be sick. And, you know, I'm not trying to overwhelm anybody in the midst of that. But I do want to encourage you, Proverbs 25.2 says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. But it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. Pastor Don, uh, up at Harvest, shared this one with me. He said, He's not hiding it from you. He's hiding it for you. He didn't, he didn't put the mysteries here for you not to find them. He put them there so you would find them, so you would make your way prosperous, so that you would be blessed, so that you would give a defense to the accuser. Not hiding it from you, he's hiding it for you. 